What is up? Uh, Katie and Izzy here, back at it with a 30 meow nits of... Is, did I say that right? Meow nits? Yeah. Meow nits. Uh, meow nits of... Um, <laughs> Bilbo... As Bilbo tries to wander into the bedroom. Speaking or into of, the room. Speaking of meows. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, poor girl gets trapped behind the door as soon as she tries to go outside because she's blind. Love her dearly. Um... We're back with another Meowditz of random bullshit that we look up and uh, that is related to um, magic and horror and cats and uh, history and it's stuff. This is parapsychology today. <laughs> this is the shit that I couldn't fit into an episode, so I created a way to put it into its own episode. <laughs> yeah, this is this is how much shit that Izzy does to research everything, and then I just bystand this, and I'm like, yeah, okay, and I learn everything new, too. It's great. Today is 30 Meowniths of Mackenzie Survived COVID. Yeah. Are you okay? How are you doing, by the way? I'm great. I honestly got the worst of it about the household, um, just because I had two days of, like, fever and body aches. Ugh. Um, anyway. And a one. Anyways, so, I got I got the timer timer set timer I got the timer set so uh, really minutes really fast uh, this is thirty his thirty histories the history of parapsychology we have been talking about doing this episode since we did the movie before Cabin in the Woods but I can't remember what movie that was because that was literally like a month and a half ago <laughs> we've been on top life's been rough right now what was the movie we did before that. So, yeah, that was a Haunting in Connecticut, too. That was in... Oh, I meant June. It was in June. I'm really good at this right now. Um, anyways, we finally did it. Our next 30 minutes will be the one from Cabin in the Woods that I was interested in. Uh, our we, next... That shit's going to be fun as shit to go over. <laughs> our next full episode is part two of Cabin in the Woods. And that will come out next week. Correct. Nope. Actually, I'm scratching that. I'm not committing to anything because shit keeps happening because I commit to times. It'll yeah, come let's, out. Uh, let's just say it'll come out soon. Yeah, it'll come out when <laughs> it comes out. <laughs> it'll come out soon. Okay. All right. So 30 minutes. 30, Let me get uh, back 30 to minutes on the timer. Okay. On your marks. You see it? It's viewing. You can't, yeah, you see it? Okay. Um, You can't see that. But on your marks. Get set. Go. We're going. Uh, so the history of parapsychology really wasn't as in-depth of a research as I thought it was going to be. The more interesting stuff is the experiments that have come out from parapsychology, not necessarily like the history of. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, but to kick it off, the parapsychology is the... My brain. Um, okay, so... <laughs> We're going to start with the study of parapsychology in the United States, just because that's where we is. And this officially started with the Parapsychology Association, which is the Parapsychological Association. Um, that's it. That's what they call themselves. I can't add anything to that. That's legit what they call themselves. Uh, it's an international professional organization of scientists and scholars engaged in the study of PSI or psychic experiences. I don't know if they say psi, like psyduck. I don't know. But they all over their website, it's PSI. Well, they if it is, they need to say it like psyduck. Yeah, psyduck. So. Uh, which works because that's his thing. But they study 
telepathy, clairvoyance, psychokinesis, psychic healing, precognition, blah, 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 blah. All that stuff. The parapsychological... Not say blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, yeah. They probably right. study that too. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the parapsychological association was created in Durham, North Carolina on June 19th, 1957. Now I'm remembering why this is connected to the haunting in Georgia. And it's because the true life story, the guy who... Okay. Oh, right. The you, guy who investigated it is this guy from Durham. Because I remember being like, that's where I work. Oh, okay. The formation of this association was proposed by Dr. J.B. Rhine. He was the director of a Duke laboratory at, a at the time. Uh, he proposed it at a workshop in parapsychology that was held at the Parapsychology Laboratory of Duke University. Because apparently they used to have an entire funding source dedicated straight to that department. Which I think is pretty, pretty cool. It's kind of like a... Never mind, I'm not going to say that because that comes up later. Anyways, they describe... <laughs> so the Parapsychological Association has its own website. They've got a bunch of information on there. We'll go more in depth on what they have on there later. But the way they describe parapsychology as being a multidisciplinary field. Multidisciplinary okay. field. I can't talk today. It's, it's okay. It's I'm gonna late. We're tired. We've been doing shit all day. I'm going to call it COVID mouth. <laughs> That's That works. Sounds dirty. Most likely, psych yeah, did you know that they've made sidetrack? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not going to get into details, but... On Pornhub, there is a whole category that you can Google that's quarantine porn. Um, and it's it's people in, like, the yellow hazmat suits. I didn't oh watch God. it, so I don't know how, how naked they yeah, get. Yeah, sure. But you I was just... Like, I didn't watch it, I swear. I, I, I'm innocent. In reality, she's over there like, oh, my God, this is... It. What the fuck? This is my niche. <laughs> um, she's got to have a hazmat suit. Secretly, Tyler has one in <laughs> yeah that's that's yep yeah. i don't know why that i thought of that but yeah it's fucking gross though it's very i was just curious how quarantine affected the porn world one day because that's how my brain works <laughs> and i was like what are people doing that's what they're doing i, I must know anyways uh, so the association describes parapsychology as being a multidisciplinary field most likely Psychic phenomena involve complex interactions between various subjective, interpersonal, and environmental factors. They have specialists from the biological, physical, behavioral, and social sciences. Approaches for investigating uh, psychic experience vary widely, including laboratories, fieldwork in analytical studies, uh, phenomenological approaches... I thought I was going to... Phenomenological. Yeah, I thought I was going to stumble over that, word. but it, it really flows. <laughs> phenomenological. It does. Case studies. I wasn't even able to say it. Hey, did you know today you're looking phenomenological? Phenomenological? Oh, yeah. that's so sweet. You're very welcome. It sounds like it should. We're going to make a t-shirt. <laughs> today you are phenomenological. And it's going to have a unicorn. Phenomenological. <laughs> Which... It's got to have the unicorn from... Cabin, cabin in, in the, the woods, woods. That's like blood on it there you go uh they do case studies yeah. surveys and historical research okay they define parapsychology as the scientific and scholarly study of three kinds of unusual events esp mind matter interaction and survival 
So every other paranormal event that you can think of that they study falls under one of those three categories. Uh, these are associated with the human experience. Parapsychology is not the study of just anything paranormal, such as uh, astrology, UFOs. They literally put searching for Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, paganism, <laughs> Satanism, vampires, alchemy, or witchcraft. That's fucking awesome, dude. Searching for Bigfoot. Oh, here. Here's a story for you. Andy, I'll show you a picture of this. Andy has a, a Bigfoot prints that his dad bought him for Christmas um, framed. He literally has them in like a shadow box. He's like They're completely framed and they're just giant ass plaster feet. I find that outstanding. Yeah, um, I'll have to send you a photo. Let's see. Just to break it up a little bit more. Some of the events they do study, according to their frequently asked questions, their facus. ESP stands for the extrasensory perception, and it is a general term for obtaining information about events beyond the reach of the normal senses. This term includes telepathy, clairvoyance, precognition, and presentiment. Presentiment, I guess is that word. There's a lot of big words in parapsychology. Yeah, man. Presentiment? That's how they okay. define themselves as a... A science they just throw in a lot of really big words yeah and they're like he, it's really big you don't know what it means but you know it looks <laughs> it looks uh, legit phenomenological phenomenological <laughs> so under ESP is clairvoyance which is sometimes called remote viewing obtaining information about events of remote locations beyond the reach of the normal senses uh, I'm thinking that's like when people go to psychics and they ask them to, like, find a body or something, that's what I, the closest thing I can come up with, like, clairvoyance. I don't really know. I don't have a good example for any of these. Precognition. I think, I think Phoebe. Think, think Phoebe. No, that's. I know they're, like, premonitions, but. I think that's precognition, also called premonition. Oh, okay. I should read ahead of myself. <laughs> My bad. But it says beyond the reach of the normal senses. Oh, so maybe it's... Um, oh, like dimensional. Uh, yeah, like maybe or, that's or, um, talking to, to other planes like that. or... Uh, yeah. What's it there called? That's the one I was looking for, other what's, planes. Um, what's it called when you like leave your body? What does Prue do? Fuck. Astral projection. There you go. Maybe it's kind of like that, where you're like maybe leave your body like, for a minute. Kinda. You look at other stuff, other planes. Okay, okay, maybe. I don't know. Someone's going to be like... Fuck you, Google. I know it. they're gonna be like, "This is the definition. You're fucking dumb." I'm literally just googling yeah. it right now. Google example of clairvoyance, precognition, also called a premonition, obtaining information about future events where the information could not be inferred through normal means. Many people report dreams that appear to be precognitive. Oh. Examples of clairvoyance: when you predict who a friend is going to marry, when you have a dream about the numbers that are going to come out in the lottery. See, that's precognition. Oh, okay. Well, now that makes sense. Oh, here we go. The fortune teller practices clairvoyance when she gazes into a crystal ball to see her. Nope. That's yeah, I was good. Here's one. Mina has such has such an uncanny ability to predict which books will be bestsellers. I'd swear she's clairvoyant. Okay, I think that one that one fits because it's I not know. actually seeing the future, but she just like senses. You, you tell like this book is just it's going to be right or yeah, something like that. Exactly. Oh. That was a great example. You came in as the kids I came say. Back clutch i guess i don't know if they say that anymore i don't have cool friends uh, i'm also almost 30 uh, so i don't know 
Anyways. Do you know I was thinking about that the other day and I was like, holy shit, she turns 30 this year. <laughs> I should not be 30. I was just talking about it with my friend and we were like, you should have to like pass a test and meet criteria to be 30 because <laughs> I still feel like I should be like, I don't know, 24 or 25. I was going to say, don't say that because if I bend, my knees pop every single time. So I'd be classified as like 50 and then I'm fucked. <laughs> no, that's just something that you have to do to get to 50, but to get to 30... I don't know. I just don't feel like I should be 30. I still feel like it's fair. A mess. Anyways, presentiment. (laughs) This is where psychological parameters may change prior to the application of stimulus, suggestive of the fact that on an unconscious level, the person knew what was coming before it occurred and before it was even randomly chosen. Um, I... That was really complicated. They're getting wordy. Let me... I'm gonna I'm gonna do another uh, maybe example this is of where this um I think this could be this one says an intuitive feeling about the future especially one of for foreboding to me that an would... example oh my gosh hold on to me Sorry. that would be like <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't get out of bed today or like something bad's gonna happen today that's it that's okay yeah that's, so one of the examples they have is Beth had a a presentiment that something out of the ordinary was going to happen and sure enough as soon as a, uh, she soon got a phone call from her estranged estranged brother so it's just it's like that feeling where you're just like it's like that I call it the gut feeling maybe and you're just like I shouldn't do this or there's going to be something off today so or we'll say presentiment just... is a gut feeling clairvoyance is an intuitive feeling there we go there we go telepathy Sim- Simplization. <laughs> is that a word? <laughs> Direct. What is the word? Simplization. Sure. I'm sure the parapsychology group thinks it is. Sure. They, they have my back. Uh, telepathy. Everyone knows what that is. That is direct mm-hmm. mind-to-mind communication. So mind-matter interaction is the other genre, I guess, that they study. And this one used to be referred to as psychokinesis, which is like moving stuff. And it is direct mental interaction with physical objects, animate or inanimate. That always makes me think of uh, the movie Accepted, where he blows up a car. Oh, yeah. He's like, I just want to blow stuff up. Uh, Under that one, they have... It's literally spelled A-N-P-S-I and Ansi, which is just and and <laughs> Yep, basically. Which is just a psychic experiences in animals. Ooh. So survival events. Uh, that is the third and final grouping that they have, and it includes phenomena suggestive of survival after bodily death, including near-death experiences, apparitions, and reincarnation. This is probably the more common one that we are used to. Yeah. Uh, so the groups under here include near-death experiences, which everyone knows is an experience where someone nearly dies. It is often referred to a core experience, like a core memory, that includes feelings of peace, OBE, I don't know what that stands for, seeing lights and other phenomena. Oh, OBE, <laughs> out of body experience. <laughs> they spelled it out. Right, for me. okay, there we go. Uh, 
I'm not going to, I don't need to explain reincarnation, hauntings. So place memory is the apparent ability of a building or location to hold recorded impressions of people and events that transpired in the past. So basically like a haunting, but it's the memory of the place, not an actual haunting. Yeah. Um, oh, maybe like the shining. Think of like the shining with the um, the bar area. Oh yeah, there you go. That would make sense. That's maybe maybe that's not what it is, but that's what I think. <laughs> that makes sense to me. Um, haunting, cool. I guess haunting. Just to separate it, they describe it as recurrent phenomena reported to occur in particular locations that include apparitions, sounds, movement of objects, and other effects. Cool. <laughs> Place memory, I guess, could also be where you just kind of, like, walk into a room and you're like, some shit went down. Yeah. Uh, Poltergeist. That is apparently different than a haunting. It is a large-scale PK event, which is parrot, or, I'm sorry, psychokinesis, phenomena often attributed to spirits, but which are now thought to be due to a living person or group of people. Although reported in all age groups, the agent is most frequently an adolescent. So yeah, that's how they break up what they study. I didn't see Bigfoot in there, but you know, uh, he he was included at least. He could be psychic animals, maybe. Uh, I think it's safe to say that we all know parapsychology can find its roots in religion and spirituality. Some of the not at all. No, (laughs) sorry. I was yawning when I said that. No, that was just her, her excited voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the first studies in parapsychology can be traced to the followers of Franz Antoine Mesmer, who believed that forces he termed animal magnetism could be manipulated to heal illness. And I'll t- talk a little bit more about him later, but he is apparently like a huge deal <laughs> in parapsychology. Mm. Uh, a whole bunch of research and papers are done around him and about him and his research. They're still trying to prove his ideals, um, even today. He's a he's a fancy looking motherfucker. That's for sure. Is he? I'll, he, uh, he? I'll put a picture. If you just if you literally just put your cursor over his name, it'll like pop up a photo. <laughs> He's all fancy looking. Oh, there we go. That's like a bust. He looks like, I don't know, every picture of Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> George Washington. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyways, Franz Anton Mesmer was born 1734, died 1815. He did his medical school dissertation on the influence of the plants on the body. Planets. Oh. I'm sorry. Oh, play. yeah, right. Right. I, I like I like plants, too. It's cool. <laughs> This guy is, I think he's German, by the way. And then he, like, did a lot of stuff in France. Okay. But it, that's, like, not really important, but that's, you know, details. He was inspired by Renaissance philosophers who were, like, into, the. I guess they were, like, the fathers of astronomy, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he started placing magnets, like, cartoon, you know, horseshoe-looking magnets on patients mm-hmm. with psychological conditions and it was believed to have healing possibilities which led to the term animal magnetism which is the idea that got him the most attention in the 1780s 
one of Mesmer's followers, the Marquis de Bisseguier, I think that's how it's pronounced, discovered a state he termed experimental somnambulism. Somnambulism. That looks like a fake word. Um, Yeah, it does. (laughs) Later termed hypnosis. There we go. Oh, much easier. Much easier. Uh, So he was attempting to magnetize people, and they were basically getting into, like, this hypnotic trance. While in this Mm -hmm. state, patients demonstrated telepathic abilities, visions with the fingertips, I don't know what the hell that means, uh, and clairvoyance. It should be noted that the early magnetists, is what they called themselves, believed that the telepathy and clairvoyance demonstrated by these subjects had a psychological cause and were not necessarily like paranormal or spiritual because back mm. then you did not want to be paranormal or special like that in any I'm sorry I yeah it was, it was frowned upon for sure uh, according to the new world encyclopedia parapsychology wasn't really thought of as a science until the 1830s and 60s with the spiritualist movement yeah. the history of the spiritualist movement itself was more interesting than parapsychology <laughs> I could have spent like another 50 notes pages sorry of notes just talking about the spiritualist movement uh that's basically where psychics came from mediums that whole idea it's really cool and it's international yeah it goes on and on and they have like reawakenings of the spiritualist movement Anyways, this was a movement based on the belief that departed souls can interact with the living spiritualists sought to make contact with the dead usually through the assistance of a medium like in The Conjuring, not The Conjuring, um, Haunting in Connecticut. Haunting in Connecticut, too. Haunting, haunting in Georgia. No, oh, one? Haunting in Connecticut, one, where they have the medium. Oh, right, yeah. A person believed to have the ability to contact spirits directly. Events like that scene in Haunting in Connecticut, I guess I should just kept reading, my notes, became more popular around the U.S., <laughs> U.K., and France. Of course, the churches did not love this and labeled it witchcraft immediately. (laughs) Uh, Right. It was a forbidden art of necromancy. Mm. In fact, there was a decree of the quote-unquote holy office of the Roman Catholic Church in 1898 that condemned spiritualistic practices, though it approved of legitimate scientific investigation of related phenomena, which they would have to do in order to keep people's belief in you know exorcisms and stuff alive i imagine right because you can't condemn that and then be like oh no 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 but exorcisms are real yeah um a parapsychological investigator during this time included chemist sir william crooks now i want to create a D character named sir william crooks 1832 yeah D, i could get into it forever but it, it, that terrible idea Another day. You keep going. We'll do a 30, yeah. a 30 minutes of D&D with Katie. Yeah, man. Uh, he was born in 1832, died in 1919. He was the president of the Royal Society, which is the National Scientific Organization of Great Britain. He investigated and pronounced genuine the materialization phenomena produced by medium Florence Cook, which I hope there's like a biography about her because it was probably pretty interesting. She was a famous seance holder who could summon a spirit named Katie King. Have you heard about her? I have not. Oh, actually, no, that sounds really familiar, though. Her name sounds familiar, but... Yeah. um, I guess she's related to some other guy who used to 
summon a specific spirit named like Joe King or something. Um, and so they became really oh. famous and I did not get into it cause I didn't want to segue too far with our 30 minutes, but <laughs> yeah, seemed interesting. Like I said, spiritualism could have done another like 50 pages of notes. Some fun things about spiritualism yeah. history. This is me cutting it down. Britain had a good go at the movement in the 1950s when the witchcraft laws were appealed. And this is where I take a, an Izinian detour into the witch laws of Britain and the U.S. So in Britain, in 1542, Parliament passed the Witchcraft Act. And this defined witchcraft as a crime punishable by death. No surprise. It was repealed five years later, but restored by a new act in 1562. And then again in 1604, that same act, basically, they just amended it, which transferred the trial of witches from the church to like the state essentially lovely and i just want to look really quick the dates of i said the 1830s to the 60s okay i'm trying to see where spiritualism overlays this uh in 1736 parliament passed an act repealing the laws against witchcraft but they imposed fines or imprisonment on people who claimed to be able to use magical powers that itself was repealed in 1951 by the Fraudulent Mediums Act, which in turn was repealed in 2008. In 1824, Parliament passed the Vagrancy Act, under which fortune-telling, astrology, and spiritualism became punishable offenses. But basically, the moral of that was to say that in the 1950s, when they replaced all the witchy stuff with, like, the Fraudulent Act, which is just... Mm-hmm you know, protecting people from assholes who are taking advantage of them. They had a lot of people come out of the woodworks and do the spiritualist thing. In Mm. some states of the United States, however, currently, there are still laws against fortune telling. So as far as I can tell, the United States has never really had a legal law. I'm not talking church, but like state law type deal. Federal law, that's the word. That has denounced witchcraft or said witches will hang kind of a thing. Um, But there are, like I said, laws in specific states that have created that protect, that are quote unquote meant to protect people from, again, people taking advantage of them. So fortune telling, tarot card reading and other divinatory practices. These are not outlawed. They're not outlawed, like I said, because of like the witchcraft part of it but just because they want to keep people from being swindled i guess Mm, okay uh i couldn't find a list very easily of the states that have this law because honestly i didn't want to know um because i'm sure nobody actually like follows it until there's a complaint (laughs) right And let's see. Last fun fact. The movement was so successful in Brazil that the French founder of spiritualism named Alan Kardec has been pictured on Brazilian stamps. Hmm. Okay. So back to parapsychology. In 1882, the Society of Psychical Research was founded in London. And in 1889. Yeah, right. Sounds legit. German psychologist Max Dessor. I don't know how to say that in German, coined the term of parapsychology, which our very own American J.B. Ryan made, like, the fucking thing. 
he's the one who made it a big deal. Hmm. Okay. As far as I can tell, that's kind of like the history of how parapsychology became parapsychology. All right. And so now I'm going to talk about experiments. So some of the first studies and what would later be termed ESP, were conducted by William Barrett in 1881. All of these names sound so freaking legit. Uh, mm -hmm. Shortly before he assisted in the founding of the Society for Psychical Research, Barrett investigated the case of the five Creary sisters. Such a great name. They need to be. I don't know. Dude, they, back, they need a back in the day, the names that. were so much better. Like, back in the day, the names were so much classier. And now... I feel like that should be like in a Scooby-Doo episode. The Creary sisters. <laughs> that, uh, yeah man they were between the ages of 10 and 17 and could apparently use telepathy to psychically identify an object that had been selected in their absence after sending one sister out of the room Barrett would write the name of an object on a piece of paper which he would then show to the remaining four sisters the first girl was then called back in and usually correctly guessed the name of the object Later, a second set of experiments was done involving playing cards. It was not until after the investigators had published their results that it was discovered that girls had used a number of signals, including slight head movements and coughing, to tell their sister what to guess, thereby okay. making it look, you know, like they were just being crazy, which is really right. unfortunate. <laughs> right. Um, <clears throat> J.B. Ryan used what are called, I think it's pronounced Zenner cards which consisted of five different designs. In some experiments, cards were laid face down for the subject to guess. Uh, I'll post a picture of what they look like. If you've ever played the game Set, it's kind of like that. Like, it's, like one card has a cross on it, one card has like a circle. Like they're super simple. Uh, okay. But they were testing clairvoyance. In others... Oh, oh here we go. Example! Oh. The nope. researcher... Uh, timer is going off. This is 30 minutes. I can't hear it. Nope. Well, we're almost done. We keep going. <laughs> okay. We were so close. Let I'm going to just... do a stopwatch to yes, see yeah. how much longer we go. Yeah. I like it. Okay. So we're at 30 minutes now. Okay. I'll speed it. It's because we took detours about porn. Shit. <laughs> uh, so the researcher would hold this card so only he could see it to test telepathy. Because of the laws of chance, it would be expected that participants would be able to guess one out of every five symbols correctly, but Ryan found that subjects often exceeded these expectations, even if it was only by a small percentage. Star Wars, when they're testing Anakin with the, like, a teacup, a ship, that's what they're doing. In the yeah. 1970s, parapsychologists began using Gansfeld tests to test for ESP ability. Gansfeld tests attempt to test for telepathy by separating two individuals into isolated rooms where one attempts to send a telepathic image to the other. The sender of the message is generally shown either a still image or a short video clip, and then they attempt to send it to the other person. The receiver sits in a comfortable reclining chair under a red light, wearing headphones that play white noise or pink noise, and with their eyes covered with halves of ping pong balls. I don't know why that specifically, but that's what they went with. Okay. Maybe they were on a college campus and they just like found them all over the place. Who knows? These conditions <laughs> help the receiver enter what is termed the Gansfeld state, which is a trance-like state similar to being in a sensory deprivation chamber. After the sender has attempted to send the image for a set amount of time, which is 20 to 40 minutes, I'd be napping. The receiver mm -hmm. is asked to choose the correct image out of a group of four images. 
Parapsychologists collect the results of approximately 700 individual Gansfeld sessions performed by about two, do- two dozen investigators and claimed the correct image was selected 34% of the time. Uh, this was an increase above the 25% that would be expected from chance alone and has been cited as proof of the existence of telepathy, although critics point out numerous ways in which Gansfeld experiments may be flawed. That does sound a little shaky to me, but... Eh. <laughs> and so, according to an NBC article, by the 1960s, the academic environment had changed. Skeptics... Uh, basically trashed the field of parapsychology as pseudoscience and Duke ended its affiliation with the program. Ryan moved his lab like literally across the street and continued his work off campus. And if you think of Ghostbusters, the original, Dr. Venkman's university research team at the beginning got kicked out and moved across the street. That is based on the history of this Duke program, apparently. Okay. Since the big parapsychology lab isn't at Duke anymore, it has moved to the Rhine Research Center in Durham, North Carolina. Apparently, they have, like, a super cool parapsychology library, or not library, uh, like a museum set up that actually seems mm. pretty cool. Oh. Uh, oh, I know. My puppy's at the bottom of the stairs. She can't go down the stairs yet, so she's stuck down there. Oh. Uh, Vax used to be scared of the stairs. I remember those times. She just, like... I can't let her up the stairs yet. Um, John Kruth, who is the current executive director of the research center, says it's just become disorganized, underfunded, and in the realm of traditional science, largely ignored. People have never stopped doing research in these areas, Kruth said, but the skeptic community is strong and vocal, and they're much better at working the media. Which is true. Okay. Yeah. And to end this, I just, I have a couple more things to share. And then we're done. So every year they do like a conference and they ask for people doing research to submit their abstracts for the research they've been doing. This year it was mm-hmm. called Breakthrough 2022 New Ideas in Research and Theory. They provided a PDF of all of the abstracts that were submitted. These were a couple okay. that caught my interest. There was a lot. Um, I'm not going to go into detail. This one was called... Reframing Extrasensory Perception, a Condensed Model by Keith V. Alexander. He works at the Department of Mechanical Engineering, University of Canterbury, Christchurch, New Zealand. From what I understand, his theory is that um, precognition is information one receives from the future self. So there's like a bunch of theories about time that we'll never be able to, okay. you know, prove or disprove. One of the theories right. is that time is basically... It's not linear. It's all just happening at once, right? So his theory is that uh, when you get a precognitive thing, it's something from your future self having such an impact on your future self that it resonates through time and hits you. The example he gives is that there was this big-ass train accident. A bunch of people died. And Jane afterwards was like wow that should have been my train glad i missed it and in that moment she has final destination kind of shit kind of yeah exactly (laughs) it's literally final destination kind of Um, (laughs) but think so he's whatever i'm just gonna keep going um so then that imprints so profoundly on her that that she could have died that her past self is affected 
hears that, like feels that and does something that causes her to unconsciously miss her train that day, thus avoiding the accident. So okay. it's, it's just that cool idea. He basically says like you can't, there's no such thing as like communicating with other people. It's just you talking, like getting, receiving things from your future self. I thought that was cool. Wow. Okay. okay. He describes it way better than I did, but that's basically what I picked up. As I said, they're still doing experiments on Franz Mesmer's magnetism thing. And one of the papers goes into like a genetic level detail about how the magnetism works. And I guess there's, I didn't Google to see how true this was or anything. I'm sure it's true because these are legitimate scientists. Uh, but they postulate that there's a thing in your body called ferritin that occurs naturally and it's magnetic has magnetic properties and so when they were placing the magnets to the body it was pulling the ferritin around to the magnet uh, making the the fluids of the body seem magnetic um, and there's a whole thing about it but i just thought that was kind of interesting it was very technical so i'm not gonna go into detail about that this one <laughs> made me giggle. Uh, this one's just called Experiences. The primary author is Miguel J. Daw, University of Northampton, England, United Kingdom. Most of these are international. They're not U.S., by the way. Okay. This is what they said. Introduction. We present an analysis of surveys of those who fast and or are vegan or vegetarian in order to examine potential associations between these dietary practices and paranormal experiences. They basically studied and argued that people who have those kind of dietary restrictions, no dairy, no meat, have increased paranormal experiences compared to people on a regular omnivore diet. Okay. Um, I didn't go into detail again, but it just seemed really wild. Um, they do include their results. They basically did a questionnaire and it says the most obvious interpretation of these results is that they confirm our psychic adept study findings respondents who fast and those who reduce their meat and dairy consumption report more paranormal experiences and abilities than those who do not hmm. okay so i couldn't tell you why I, i'm sure it has to do with like the consumption of animal energy or product or something but whatever <laughs> yeah um and that was the Last one that I like really looked at. They're online. We'll post the link to the Parapsychology Association. You can also download one of, they have a, like a legitimate journal where they post all their research. You can download one copy. I think it's like their 80th anniversary. It talks about the history a little bit. Um, and then it goes into profound experiments that they've done. Uh, but basically that's it. That's the history of parapsychology. I uh, would love to do another episode on spiritualism, but we'll save that for an episode that it actually applies to. <laughs> Okay, that I was just interesting. I have paused the timer. Where are we at? Where are we at? Where are we at? 39 minutes and 6 seconds. All right. Well, welcome to our, uh, probably our shortest episode yet, 39 minutes and 6 seconds. It's pretty good. I like to think I did a brief, a good brief overview. Next episode is the part two where we'll talk about the monsters in detail and all of that jazz for Cabin in the Woods. That'll come out next week. Yeah, yeah. It may be. Yeah. Might come out next week. <laughs> Might, yeah, nope. Don't make promises. Let's. Uh, it's going to come out as soon as we can get it done. We are accepting... Fuck. 
What's the word? More, we're, we're accepting more requests. There you go. Things like that. Uh, uh, you can send your requests, <laughs> DM us, Instagram us, whatever the fuck you want to do. Instagram, Facebook, at horror underscore, uh, oh my god. Horror underscore so cats underscore witch hats. There and you go, our it. Gmail is horrorcatswitchhats at gmail.com, all one word. Uh, oh. Send us cat stuff, send us cool stuff. Some of our listeners send us, uh, I don't know, like TikTok videos um, that are pretty okay. legit. So I love getting those. Feel free to keep sending those. We're still taking yeah. reviews to include in our next episode for Cabin in the Woods. Mm-hmm. And I'll also take stories of your uh, parasite, your phenomenological yeah, yeah. If you, experiences. If you've ever- <laughs> phenomenological yeah there you go right that's it yeah did i say it right you did um but yeah uh i'm sure all of us have had instances of this kind of situation one of the many that's in this so send us your stories let us know what you uh what you've seen or happen have happened to you maybe we'll do an episode of everybody's stories or something but if, if we get enough or that'll just be our shortest episode ever of my story and your story, and that's it. <laughs> I'll make shit up. It's okay. Uh, cool beans. We're good storytellers. <laughs> well, on that mat, on that that note, that's what <laughs> that is. On that note, meow. Oh, that Max was such a, a cute meow.